It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting in Pullman, Washington on the campus of Washington State University in front of a live studio audience. All right. Washington State University, the Cougars. And we have with us our first guest. What is your name? Uh, Courtney. Courtney, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am great. And I see from your sweatshirt, you're a member of the rowing team. I am. Yes. Now, is the entire audience rowing on the rowing team or, or just rowing fans? How many people are on the team? Uh, like 50. I don't know. A lot. 50 people on the rowing team. Like more like 44 or something. Okay. Well, if you're interested in rowing and uh, you want to be part of the Pac-12, come on out here to Cougarville to be on uh, the, the rowing team with the other 450,000 people that are on the team. Absolutely. I mean, we have a great team. I love them. Okay, well, we wish you the best of luck. I'm glad to know more about this. Uh, What we're going to do today is uh, we're going to do a public service announcement from Washington State University for breast cancer awareness. You you can see with the NFL, with all the pink, you can see uh, everywhere you go, you can see all the pink everywhere. And, you know, I was just in your bookstore, and there's pink sweatshirts, and there's even pink uh, five-hour energy. Did you see that in your bookstore in the union here? Uh, And it's just a reminder, a little social awareness reminder uh, not only this month, but, but every month, to, I guess, uh, get involved. Get involved with a- any sort of good cause. Um, and if it's as simple as buying something that's pink, usually 50% or 75% of those, that price of that item will go to, the, go to charity. Uh, so get involved. If you're going to get your mom a present from the bookstore, get her, get her the pink uh, Washington State Cougar sweatshirt this month. That way some of that money will go to the charity for breast cancer awareness. What do you think about that? Oh, I love it. Is that a good idea? Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Okay, and if uh, you're an NFL fan, do you like the pink that the guys wear? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, think we should make a, a team that just wears pink all year. Uh, the Denver Broncos would be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and why is that? Why? Oh, I've been a Broncos fan all my life. Oh, I thought you were making fun of them because they're kind of pinkish. No. No, okay. No, okay. absolutely not. Okay, okay, great, okay. No, now you're mad. I'm not mad. Oh, you looked at me like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you, man. <laughs> no, no, you like Peyton Manning. I like I, Peyton I Manning. We're okay. good. All right. Well, there's a, well, thank you. Best of luck to the Washington State rowing team and the rest of the university. And there's your uh, breast cancer awareness uh, public service announcement here live on the campus of Washington State University. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Our guest is Anthony Costanzo for the uh, Indianapolis Colts in uh, Boston College. Um, what are you, six foot nine, five hundred pounds? What do we have here? I'm six foot seven, three hundred fifteen pounds. As starting left tackle for the Colts, and I want to talk to you not about football, but about education. Um, I recently became aware that uh, you're kind of a smart guy. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, it's funny because I take a lot of pride in both my, my sports and my, and my um, academics, but whenever I get into conversations with someone, I'll never bring up my sports, but I do brag a little bit on my academics. Yeah, that's fantastic. Most, yeah. uh, most kids in the United States, we, we dream of growing up being uh, professional athletes, uh, I would guess mostly the NBA and the NFL, and 
Um, I've heard you speak, and you mentioned as a, as a youngster, being in eighth grade, wanting to play in the NFL and wanting to cure cancer. And um, you're doing one of those things. You're starting in the NFL, and there's a chance you could cure cancer, isn't there? Yeah, I do, I, <laughs> I do have my biochemistry degree. So, I mean, um, you know, after an NFL career, I could potentially go back to do some cancer research and, uh, you know, reach for that cure. Now, isn't this selfish of you to actually play in the NFL? You should be doing that cancer research right now. I feel like I've heard that before. Someone's like, that's so selfish of you. What are you doing? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've got a long life ahead of me, and you can only play football for so long, and you're, your brain stays a little bit better for a little bit longer. So I'm uh, taking advantage of the time I got. And what you did at Boston College, uh, you mentioned that you were an All-American as a freshman, a freshman All-American. You set the record for most games, started. Imagine how much better you would have been as a football player if you had a really cake-easy major. Yeah, I would have a lot more time to dedicate to football, I can promise you that. Now, compared to, um, you know, and I don't necessarily want to point out uh, student-athletes that don't have a difficult major, but um, through your journey in college, could you really see the difference between you, maybe the guy next to you on the team that that wasn't studying as hard as you? I mean, that had to have made you, A, feel good about yourself, and B kind of I guess not not be uh not have negative feelings towards that guy but just kind of think hey why don't you know you're not working as hard as I am I've got a I'm a biochemist and you're taking macrame classes come on man yeah it's kind of funny because you don't usually associate biochemistry with swag but when you're on the football field when you have when you know that you have that academic background you kind of have a little bit of swag about it on the football field it's like yeah I'm a biochemistry major what do you do you know cuz we're all football players at that point yeah. so that's the thing that actually sets me apart did you ever drop that line on the field to somebody can't say that I've actually dropped that but it's been in my mind you, will you say that on the field to somebody when they start start talking smack will you say I was a biochemist major what were you what were you doing with your free time <laughs> in college i was getting a biochemistry degree that would be really funny oh my gosh well with your team that with uh, Andrew Luck, uh, Stanford. I mean, this is a group of academic. This is you guys are a bunch of doctors. Yeah, we can have some good conversations in that locker room. I'm looking forward to it, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Our guest is Anthony Costanzo from Boston College, uh, uh, just a brainiac now with the Colts uh, in the NFL. And a lot of people, some of the organizations we work, a big buzzword with them is, is mentoring. Um, when you look back on your childhood, high school, even at Boston College, does, does a mentor jump out to you, somebody that really helped you maybe get on the path you're on and, and still means something to you in your adult life? Uh, well, my entire family has kind of been like a collection of mentors. Um, you know, my parents have instilled in me virtues and values that I, that I hold, hold to this day. And, uh, you know, my brother's four years older than me, and, and he was kind of like my – he kind of set the bar for me. You know, I, it was always – because he, he was extremely successful, extremely intelligent. Would, I'd always kind of be trying to – whether he knew it or not, we were in competition. So, you know, I was always trying to reach up to that bar, and uh, to have something like that set the, set the road for me was nice. Fantastic. Well, I see you're on Twitter. What is your Twitter uh, at mentioned so we can follow you and see what you're up to? Uh, my Twitter is at Anthony Costanzo. It's just my name. It's easy enough. Oh, that's very easy. At Anthony Costanzo. Okay, well, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for your time, and go Colts. All right, thank you. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. We're going to talk about fellowship and family with our next guest, Bishop Bonnie Radden. Hi, Bishop. How are you? I'm doing fantastic today. Thank you, Adam. I can't thank you for your time and joining us on the show. Uh, we are at the National Convention for TFAM, which is the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. 
First of all, just tell us and our listeners, uh, what is the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries? Well, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries was started 13 years ago. In fact, we're celebrating our 13th year here in Las Vegas at our national convention uh, by um, Bishop Yvette Flunder out of San Francisco, California. Her mission and her vision was to gather individuals throughout the world through what we call radical inclusion, meaning that anyone is welcome at the table. Uh, We have churches all over the United States, as well as Uganda, Hong Kong, Mexico. Uh, We have um, close to 400 churches now in 13 years, um, and the, the organization is growing and growing. So it's definitely, it's not just a convention or a group of people. This is a church. Um, people go to a building and worship. Absolutely. Almost every single individual who's here is from either a ministry, what we call a ministry, or a church. But I would say 99% of them are from a church. And your organization, who are you representing? Um, I'm the senior pastor in Long Beach, California um, of Refiner's Fire Fellowship, United Church of Christ. Additionally, I serve in the fellowship as the West Coast Regional Bishop, and I oversee about 135 churches. So it's the uh, Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. Um, Can you tell us why why is this church different from from your average church? I mean, I'm at this convention. I can see uh, in everybody's eyes there's something different about this place, and I, I can't put my finger on it. You put your finger on it for us. Well, let me say that for many, many years, um, the church has marginalized, particularly LGBT folks, and um, have very much wounded them and um, ousted them. Um, This organization... And it, it is exactly that. It's not a denomination. It is what it is, a fellowship. Um, welcomes everyone to the table, LGBT, straight, uh, whoever you are, you are welcome at this table. And uh, it, it is just utterly and completely amazing. Well, that transcends, me, and that's the look in everybody's eye. Everybody's welcome. And, and nobody knows who I am walking around here, and I feel welcome. So thank you for welcoming me into your organization. Absolutely, and it's a joy, Adam. And, uh, you know, we just believe that, you know, God is about it, God is in everyone, and so everyone, I, I need you and you need me, and there's no reason for us to uh, marginalize each other. So I'm excited. Our guest is Bishop Bonnie Radden from Long Beach, California, here in Las Vegas at the National Convention for the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. And you were telling me off mic about what you do with people in Zimbabwe, this uh, orphanage. Can you tell us more about that? That's amazing. Absolutely. In 2007, I went to visit a different orphanage through the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. We'll take another trip this year in February. And I got connected with a a lady in my hotel who was selling uh, little pieces of art made out of um, PVC pipe. And, um, you know, I, I had this piece about... Uh, the orphans there, there's lots and lots of orphans behind uh, the HIV AIDS um, epidemic. And I was walking by a trash can one day, crying and weeping, and picked up a soda can and said, what can we do with this? Um, I didn't want to come back and show people pictures of a child. I wanted to build some self-esteem in them. And so what we started was called the Art House. At my orphanage, the Art House, which is in Harare, Zimbabwe, we make, the kids make artwork, and we bring it, I bring it back here to the United States and sell it, and 100% of those profits go to these kids. Now, these kids, what they want to do is they want to go to school. School is not free there. They call me constantly, Bishop. Please, we want to go to school. They want to go to school. They have to buy their uniforms and live. And so it is utterly amazing. It doesn't take a lot, but this artwork supports their lives, and it's, it's amazing. How often do you get over there? Once a year. 
try to get there once a year. I'm attempting to raise $25,000 this year to build actually an art studio for them. Right now we have them making the artwork on a table in a backyard. That's uh, unbelievable. And how, uh, is there a digital property where our listeners can go look at their artwork, maybe purchase some of it or, or donate to your cause? We're building one right now that will be the Art House Harari. Dot com, okay. And um, it should be available in about probably another two weeks. That, that is uh, inspiring as heck. Not only your work with, with the church, but with orphans in Zimbabwe. You're helping out across the, across the planet. You're paying, your, you're paying your, share, your fair share here. Let me say this. <laughs> I have a saying in life, and it's this. You can't change the whole world, Adam, but you can change the one you, one you live in. And so I just believe that it is my call in life to change the world that I live in and to give back. That is great. Before I let you go, let's talk about the digital properties for the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries. What's that website, and how can we look at your maybe your Facebook or Twitter? Um, it's radicallyinclusive.com, and also the Fellowship on Facebook. You can find us on the Fellowship, or you can find me at Bishop Bonnie Radden on Facebook. You can find my church at refinersfirefellowship.com.org and .net. Well, you are going to be surprised. The next time on the West, I'm on the West Coast in Long Beach, you see my big chin in a, in a pew at your church, you'll be like, hey, Adam, welcome. You're, you're included. Well, we're, we would just love to have you. I think that you would be uh, totally amazed and incredibly welcomed at our fellowship. She's uh, Bishop Bonnie Raiden. I can't thank you enough for your time. You have a great time in this conference. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. It's been a joy, and thank you for allowing me this privilege and opportunity. This is Scott Shirley, Executive Director of Uplifting Athletes, and you are listening to The Adam Ritz Show. Joining us on the telephone from Connecticut is Duncan Fletcher. Hi, Duncan. How are you? I'm doing real well, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Now, what part of Kentucky? I'm sorry, Connecticut are you in? I'm actually in the Hartford area, just west of Hartford, a town called West Hartford, so... We got real creative names out here in the Connecticut area. It's either a Haven or a West Haven or a Hartford. Yeah, you know, every time I think of Connecticut, maybe you help me out. I think of the uh, the landscape and the cinematography in the movie Popeye with Robin Williams. Is that what Connecticut's like? You know what? I, I think I saw that movie a while back when I was real young. I have no recollection <laughs> at all. But it's, uh, it's real green and it's. Uh, you know, you got your rivers running through it, so it's uh, not a bad place to be. Okay, well, let's forget I said. Please, nobody listening to this, don't run out and uh, go to the Red Box and get Popeye with Robin Williams. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, well, Academy Award winner, right? Well, here's what we're doing with uh, with Duncan Fletcher. Uh, the group you're with is Pads, P A A D S, and you are one of the. I guess how would you describe you're an executive uh, board member with the group? Well, I'm not a board member. I'm actually their director of operations. And what we're doing is uh, just trying to continue to get the word out about our organization. Yeah, it's PADS with two A's, and it's the Professional Association of Athlete Development Specialists. Okay, athlete development. That's the key term here, and it's something uh, I actually work with as well with uh, the colleges and professional teams that I work with. And that's uh, how we met. Um, to be honest, we met at the uh, the summit you have. Every year you have an annual uh, I guess, conference, and uh, it's athlete development, and uh, it's something that a lot of people, friends and family, look at me, and they're like, athlete development, what is that? So from the PADS perspective, Professional Association of Athlete Development Specialists, uh, how do you describe what athlete development is? 
Well, and you're right, Adam. I mean, one of the things that we find is that for every person you talk to, there's a lot of different definitions as to what athlete development is. And from our perspective, athlete development is essentially looking at the athlete from before they ever play a professional game and to when, and even after they've completed their last uh, sporting event as a professional athlete. The idea is it's cradle to grave. We care about the athlete before they enter the professional rank, and we care about the athlete after they leave. And we try and provide them with opportunities and resources and services while they're playing. But the idea is that not only do we care about what they're doing on the field, but we also care about what they're doing off the field. So it's this holistic approach to broad-based athlete development, where we really want to talk about the athlete, not just purely in terms of the physical skill set that they have. We want to talk about the person. We want to talk about how we can develop that athlete in a more effective way so they're an all-around better human being. Sometimes to dumb it down from my perspective, some people call it life skills. Uh, you can talk about addiction, whether it be drugs and alcohol or um, per- performance-enhancing drugs and, and doping, um, homophobia in the locker room. Uh, what else are some of the buzzwords flying around your industry? I mean, there's a ton of different things that are going on right now. Obviously, there's uh, there's a concussion issue and being educated about the issues surrounding concussions, which is obviously at the forefront of the news. It's obviously about providing athletes with the resources and the skill set so that they can make better decisions when they're put in situations, whether it's, you know, whether it's on the field in terms of interpersonal interaction with another player, with a referee, or obviously when they're out, out and about in the community and they're interacting with fans, they're interacting with friends, uh, they're interacting with their spouse or their girlfriend. The idea is that we can help put resources in the hands of the people who are working with athletes, make our people more effective so that when they work with athletes, athletes are in a position to make better decisions across the entire spectrum of the career, whether, like I said, it's interpersonal issues when they're out and about or whether it's, um, it's also just better decisions in terms of how they manage themselves from a physical perspective or nutrition, dealing with injury, concussion, just helping educate them so they can make better decisions all the way around. Education and better decisions. That's uh, what we like to hear. Our guest is Duncan Fletcher. Uh, He's a director with PADS, Professional Association of Athlete Development Specialists. Uh, I'm a proud member of the group as well, and it's just a great organization. We encourage you to check out their website, which is... PADS.org. Again, that's PADS with two A's, .org. And let's go ahead, and since we're getting your digital properties out of the way, let's talk about your Twitter and your Facebook. What's the uh, Twitter and Facebook? Yeah, Twitter, you can check us out at uh, at PADS.org, so that's P-A-A-D-S-O-R-G, and then you can also check us out at Facebook.com slash PADS.org as well. Well, we are uh, glad to have you as part of the show. And what we're going to do is uh, bring you back on periodically, maybe even weekly, to talk about some of these issues. Uh, And today on this show, we just wanted to introduce you, Duncan, as an individual and your organization, PADS. So now that we have you uh, on the show, we are going to invite you back uh, as many as times as you want to come on to talk about these issues, if that's okay with you. That's phenomenal. We really appreciate the opportunity to get on and talk about this stuff, and we're glad that you're a member of our organization, Adam, and uh, we look forward to being on your show and continuing to kind of talk about athlete development and how hopefully it can uh, have an impact not only with the athletes themselves, but beyond that in the community and whatnot. 
All right, Duncan, we appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you very much, Joe. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. Our guest is Jim Voiles. Hi, Jim, how are you? I'm fine. Adam, how are you today? I am just fine, and we welcome you to the broadcast as one of the best defense attorneys in the United States of America. You've worked on such high-profile cases as the Mike Tyson case uh, a few years ago, maybe 15 years ago. When was that? 1992, and then I stayed with him and did the appeal with Mr. Dershowitz through uh, the end of that and then did some cases for him in other parts of the country with licensing and uh, also uh, with a matter out in New uh, Maryland. Well, we bring you on this broadcast today to talk uh, in light of the Aaron Hernandez murder charges. Uh, we're bringing you on to talk about your consult with professional athletes. Now, you do represent a lot of professional athletes, but even before uh, a pro athlete gets in trouble, you also consult teams, uh, organizations in professional sports and individual athletes um, what's your take real quick on the Aaron Hernandez situation? It's all alleged, but it doesn't look good for Mr. Hernandez. Well, I don't know anything about his uh, case other than what I've seen in the paper. Um, and I never try to put my point of view about a case I'm not working on or really don't have much understanding. Um, I, I know it appears that the charges are serious. Uh, I'm sure he's got very uh, excellent lawyers that are working with him. Um, but those cases are always very difficult because very often what happens is the initial series of publicity begins to create within a possible jury pool uh, concerns that uh, maybe the events did happen. And so the lawyers have to work very, very hard in order to get a uh, group of venari or jurors that will ultimately be fair and impartial on listening to the facts of that case. Well, let's step back uh, before those decisions are made by a pro athlete. Uh, and you consulting a professional athlete, we can all benefit from this information, everybody listening to this show. So just as far as a decision-making, um, uh, you know, I, I consult professional athletes as well, not from a legal standpoint, but just from decision-making. You do it from a legal standpoint. What can you share with us about how you approach some of these high-risk topics with professional athletes? Well, I've done it for uh, a couple of the sports teams, and uh, what I try to impart upon that players is that, when they come to a particular location, uh, a new city, a new state, um, th they have to be really aware of the local laws uh, because it may be legal in your state to carry a weapon without a permit. Uh, in the state that you are now uh, living in, that may be totally illegal. So you, you try to talk to them about really from the basic traffic offenses to the types of people who may try to hang around them, uh, sometimes how vulnerable they may be out in public when they're in these large parties or groups of people. Uh, there are certainly people who would be willing to uh, take advantage of them, both financially and otherwise. And so you, you try to make them aware of their surroundings. That, that you know, If they're playing for a sports team and they come into a city, uh, very often most of the people in the city will know uh, if a guy walks into a local bar and he uh, looks like a major football player in terms of size and the way he handles himself, uh, people are going to know that he's probably going to be associated with the team in that city. And so they have to be aware, and sometimes they're just not aware of their own presence and what happens. You know, you just touched on something that, that really means a lot to just the normal everyday person. If you're moving, find out what the local laws are, where you're moving to. And that could be as simple as 
text messaging or talking on your phone in your car. There are a lot of states that have laws where you can't even be on your phone in your car. And if you move to that city, you could just get a simple traffic ticket. Right, and that's and and the the problem you have with the simple traffic tickets very often that leads to looking into vehicles. Uh, I noticed that there was a a uh, the police very often once the car has stopped, they ask consent to look in vehicles. Very often they may find a weapon that is illegal in that state, although it may have been legal in the state where the athlete came from. They might find contraband that's in the car that's illegal. Uh, and, and so the, the being aware of your traffic circumstances and things that you can or cannot do in that particular state will help you avoid those kinds of problems. I mean, the best thing is don't have things in your car that are legal in any way, shape, or form. Don't carry a weapon in your car. Uh, certainly don't carry contraband in your car uh, because those things will be found and then it's going to be the, your situation that you're going to have to deal with. It will bring disrespect to you. Uh, it'll bring disrespect for your team and may very easily jeopardize your job or your profession. Jim Voiles is our guest, defense attorney, and uh, there's been some rumblings nationwide about uh, the drunk driving laws and then moving the number down from .08 to .05. It may take 10 years for this to happen. Your thoughts? Well, I think the uh, when I started practicing law a number of years ago, the uh, presumptive or what we call the prima facie evidence on impairment was 0.15. So you can see how far we've dropped already. Um, I'm not sure that the 0.05... I hate to interrupt you. That, I, 0.15? Correct. That is, that's crazy... That's crazy to me. I mean, in 2013, that's you're drunk at .15. Well, in 1968, when I started my <laughs> practice through the, until the uh, change was made to .08, it was .15. And it, wow. it started out at .15, then it moved to .10. Now it's down to .08. Um, I, I'm not sure they're going to get to .05 because that's pretty bare minimal. Um, but people who uh, drink certainly have to be aware and. My, my feeling, I'm surprised that people who drink that don't take somebody who is a non-drinker to drive them home. It's so elementary or to mm -hmm. call a cab or have some kind of vehicle available for you to go uh, from bar to bar if that's what you intend to do. But people don't do that. Uh, when they stop doing that, I'll stop having clients. <laughs> Well, let's wrap up this interview with a little fun. Uh, we tend to tackle social awareness issues with a sports theme. You are a racing aficionado. You've loved uh, open wheel racing uh, since the day you were born, 500 years ago. That's right. Uh, give us some race stories, some of the people you chum with, some of the uh, cars you, you know and have worked on maybe. Well, I've, I've always had an interest in racing. Uh, my father... Uh, and my uncle uh, were kind of fueled my interest. My father was in the military, but um, he was very close to my uncle, and my uncle was one of the founders of the United States Auto Club. So as a young boy, I've had an interest in automobile racing, and I've sent, seen every Indianapolis 500 but one since 1953. Wow. Uh, my wife's father won the 500 in 1950. His name no is Johnny Parsons. And uh, so we both kind of come into the world with an interest in automobile racing, and I've kind of kept it up. Um, I spend a lot of time at going to the Indy Racing League races. Uh, I'm very, very close friends with Chip Ganassi, uh, Bill Simpson, who makes all the uh, safety equipment, um, and uh, have spent a lot of time with Little Al and uh, a number of the people in racing. Uh, Roger Penske uh, is a friend. And so I kind of just in, enjoy going to the races. I'm a, I'm purely a spectator. 
um, I can go to the stands and be happy eating my chicken and watching the race. Have you ever done, uh, you know, Monaco or anything in Europe, F1? I sure have. Um, three years ago, my son and I uh, went to Monaco for the Formula One race. Wow. Uh, it was a terrific experience, and uh, I saw every Formula One race that was here um, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when Formula One was here. And I travel, uh, and I'm looking forward to going to Spa and some other Formula One races, which uh, now that we have one in Austin, Texas, that's kind of a new venue for us. So, When you were in Monaco, was it a fried chicken crowd? Did you wear an Indy 500 T-shirt? I did not wear an Indy <laughs> 500. We had to wear a sport coat uh, to go to the paddock, uh, and it was certainly a, a champagne crowd. Uh, the, the, um, but they did have croissants, which I did like. <laughs> That is great. Jim Boyles, we can't thank you enough for your insights, both on racing and with uh, decision-making from uh, a legal perspective. Jim Boyles, defense attorney, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Adam. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. Hey, this is Jeff Saturday. Just want to say how important what Adam Ritz is doing. This is truly a difference maker. You're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. I'm Adam Ritz. It's The Adam Ritz Show, and we thank uh, you for listening. And I want to thank our guests from today's show, the live audience at Washington State University, helping out with the Breast Cancer Awareness Public Service Announcement. And I want to wrap this show up by uh, giving a shout-out to Chelsea in Oregon. She got a hold of me on Twitter. If you'd like to uh, correspond through Twitter, I love that platform, and I use it all the time. At Adam Ritz. Ritz just like Ritz Crackers. At Adam Ritz. want to say hi to Chelsea listening in Oregon. At Chelsea Love 15. Can't appreciate the support you've given us uh, anymore. Thank you so much, Chelsea. And we look forward to you joining us on another edition of the Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.